iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. People in the West, man, they always try to categorize us, put us all together. A lot of people come up to me and they're like, oh man, hey, where are you from? <laughs> I'm <going> from Egypt. <laughs> really? I got a friend from India. I have never heard of comedy in the Middle East. <laughs> we don't even understand basic joke construction. So long as our relationship is defined by our differences, we will empower those who sow hatred rather than peace. Before, it's not allowed to have lots of people saying comedy about politics and talking freedom. But right now, it's become more free and people start to speak loudly. We're not used to seeing the soldiers. We're not used to seeing guns on the corners. They're like, they're there for your safety. Okay. It's good to lighten things up here sometimes. Things can get heavy here. I think this area is just learning how to laugh because of the intensity of their reality. Some parts of the Arab world, you know, they've had such an unlucky situation that they have developed comedy as a tool of relief. Security. Comedy crosses borders. It's, uh, it's the common language of the world. The role of a comedian is to kind of speak truth to power and point out things that maybe people aren't talking about. First time female comic in the Middle East performing. Before I came out here, everyone, you know, was like, oh, be careful, like, they're oppressive women over there. And I come over here, and it was the opposite. This is the first comedy show ever in Alexandria, Egypt, so we're making history as we speak here. Like you say, what's best and to laugh at ourselves? We laugh at ourselves, the rest of the world will laugh with us. We laugh at us. Want to hear a really bad joke? That's good, dude. I have a very dirty one. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Stu Von Airsdale of Movie Line, and tonight's guests, Angelo Sarukis, Ted Alexandro, Eric Griffin, and Ahmed Ahmed. How's everyone? Hello. Thanks for coming out. It's good to see you. Thank yeah. you, gentlemen, for coming out. Thank you. Thanks Appreciate for it. moderating. Oh, my pleasure. Welcome. Congratulations on the film. This is a big deal. Thanks. Thanks. It's, uh, we're all, some of us are dressed nice. Some of us. <laughs> because we're, <laughs> I'm dressing for the hot New York weather. Yeah. <laughs> we're, uh, it's our, hot New York. Yeah. We're like a weird, we're like yeah. a weird boy band right yeah. now. <laughs> 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 I'm the sensitive one. <laughs> So I guess let's start at the beginning. Um, I mean, how did this project come about and how did you decide you wanted to direct this? Um, we had been traveling to the Middle East quite a bit, um, doing comedy shows there. And whenever I'd come back to the States, my American friends would say, what were you doing in the Middle East? I'd say, we were, you know, we were doing comedy shows. And they'd ask if we did it in English. And I'd say, yeah. And they'd ask if, if they got it. And I'd say, yeah, they get it. And so um, the doc is a sort of 72-minute answer to a lot of people's questions. And the inspiration came from me being able to learn about documentary filmmaking and from that platform, because I was on a tour 
uh, in 2005 that Vince Vaughn had produced called The Wild West Comedy Show, and it ended up as, <laughs> as a, a, a theater, you know, had a theater release, went on DVD eventually. But um, I was on the tour as a comic, and then one of my best friends uh, produced it and cut it. So I watched it from the beginning, middle, and ending stages. And so it was kind of like going to documentary film school for two years. And so when I had the opportunity to uh, film this tour, um, we took advantage of it and kind of used a similar application for that model. Uh, and we cut 200 hours of footage into the, the documentary. <clears throat> and, um, and so and I had some great, you know, great comics who were with us, and Ted, you know, Angelo, Eric, uh, Taylor, who produced the... Uh, oh, he's not in the Q&A. Taylor over there is our producer and cinematographer. And uh, my business partner over there, Lewis, who ha had a lot of the message and the creative, you know, message we were going for, um, had a big hand in it. So there was a, it was a really collective process. It wasn't just one person's idea. Right. And so obviously everyone here was involved. And I guess I'd ask each of you, how did you become involved? What was Ahmed's pitch to you? And how did you respond to it the first time you heard it? I threatened him, basically. <laughs> uh, this was part of my probation. Um, <laughs> to go on a cultural tour and better myself. And Ahmed was kind enough to take me on. Um, I may start crying, sorry. Uh, no, I'm friends with Ahmed, and uh, he has this great tour. And he says, I think it'd be really good um, to go to the Middle East. And would you like to come? And I'm like, uh, absolutely. And it's, uh, it's one of the best things, uh, one of the best gigs I've ever had. And I've learned so much. And I know it, it sounds like a beauty pageant. I learned so much. I really did. Um, and it was, uh, it was great to see that part of the world. And, and uh, making people laugh is the same everywhere. That's what the movie message is all about. Yeah, that's a good one. That's the same reason why I went as well. You know, I've been friends with Ahmed for a long time. He said, you can come out to Egypt. And you know, I went out there, and I couldn't believe how great it was. And you know, I, when, I, when I first was going to go on stage, I asked him, are you sure you want me to do these jokes? Are you sure? And he said, don't worry about it, do it. We did it, and everybody's laughing and having a good time, so it was a great experience. Yeah, it was the same thing, where uh, I was very concerned, like, would my material go over? You know, I kept asking Ahmed and some of the other guys, is this going to work? Like, is this, should I change this or change? And they're like, just do it, just do it. It's just a regular crowd. And th that was the case. Like, everything worked as if you know, I was doing a club here in the States. The crowds were really savvy and hip. And, uh, you know, if I was blindfolded, I probably wouldn't have known where I was. I mean, in the comic fraternity, is there that level of trust as you're kind of sharing jokes, as you're sharing material, testing stuff out on each other? I guess what's the relationship between the level of trust just working in clubs, working shows, and testing material out, and then testing this material out? Very culturally sensitive material in different uh, communities in this, in this region. Well, I think Ahmed picked comedians that were varied. So I think he did a, a good job in making sure everybody's style was, you guys would agree, a little different. And that would appeal to his audience because Ahmed had been going there for a long time, right? Eh? It's like, and I think that it's, um, you know, he picked me on my looks. <laughs> you know, because people kept calling me Brad Pitt and stuff. <laughs> Remember Ahmed when we were in Kuwait? Yeah. What, you don't believe it? No, but seriously, I think that it's, it's a variation of the comedians, you know. And I think that's what worked. And, that everybody's well, they also, they loved Angelo in the Middle East because he's a big guy. And in the Middle East, if you're big, that means you have money. 
So <laughs> people like people were just all over him, asking him for money. And here in America, it means you're unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> but in the Middle East, they think I'm like the king. And then I'm Eric, you know, Eric, Eric doesn't have a drop of Arab blood in him. Uh, but everybody thought he was Arab. So yeah. mm. Egyptians would walk up to him and be like, Hello, Salah, Habibi, and start talking to him in, in Arabic. And he's like, uh, Ask Ahmed. Cause, yeah. um, but no, Angelo's right. Everybody's material played as if, in the way Ted said it. But it was being flexible. It wasn't about being necessarily cultural, culturally sensitive. It wasn't like we changed our jokes or anything like that. No, it was just about, you know, like if you were performing in front of a church gig, you, would, you wouldn't use profanity. It's the same kind of thing. You had to be sensitive depending on you know the the nature of the show, but like I was I was saying earlier, um, you know Utah is the more conservative place I've ever played in the entire world. So I had to be more sensitive there than any place in the Middle East. So we we still have some backwards you know foolishness here, right here in the United States. So you know, yeah, and I think you know speaking to what Eric said, the more surprising thing was just the everyday stuff, like uh, stuff that I did about like going to the gym or whatever. Right. Like, you know, foolishly, I, I, you know, having not been there, I didn't know, like, if it's, uh, you know, an experience that's kind of across the board. So all, just all the everyday things that you wonder, like, you know, and, and again, maybe it was just naive on my part, but I found out that there's just kind of, you know, a very shared experience across the world. Now, all this said, you were banned in Dubai for a year, correct? Thank you, Stu. Thank you very much. <laughs> just... So just tell us about your banning. Yeah. Uh, no, no, stick but it to I, me where it hurts. Uh, <laughs> no, but this, this is, this is, this is yeah, a great... Thanks, Stu. <laughs> it's an important point. Uh, so I mean, th- when that does come up, and, and you, I mean, you know, we know this is a factor you know, in your career right. and, and, and with this particular... Uh, and, and this is going to be on the tour. You're going back right. there. Right. So I guess then how do you communicate that? It's like, well, you right. know, it's all fine, but I, you know, this did happen. Yeah. Okay, well, that's a good point. You, the good point you bring, you bring up because I, I, I was nervous to tell some of the comics. I don't think I told. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't. I didn't tell them I was banned because they probably wouldn't come. <laughs> like, but Eric, I think I told you, didn't I? I, I think I remember telling you and you and Ange. Um, yeah. I think the thing with that is some of the countries. Well, first of all, um, religion is completely off limits, except for Beirut, Lebanon. So if you talk about anything religious, anything that comes from any holy books, that's <clears throat> considered off limits. And then they go like to what Eric was referencing to the sort of, you know, not being too explicit or, or sexual and that kind of aspect. Arab politics and Arab government was completely off limits up until the revolutions happened. So before the revolutions, they would say, okay, do not make any jokes about Mubarak. And then, like, right after he was overthrown, they were like, do you have any Mubarak jokes? It was like, they, they flipped the switch that fast. And so, um, but when I was, was banned from Dubai, it was, it was not because of a joke that I did over there. It was because of a joke that I did in the States that ended up on a DVD that ended up on YouTube that was shown to the authorities over there. So they, they rejected my passport before I arrived because they thought some of my jokes were blasphemous toward Islam and, and that I was uh, poking fun at the city of Dubai, which you know, I was. So. But Ahmed is very sensitive to this issue because when we were in Egypt, 
He was telling us before we got on stage, make sure you don't talk about this, make sure you don't talk about that. He was all over it. But ironically, <laughs> when you went on stage, you said something and the, the promoter came running, no! <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, well, that's a problem. Eric, Eric was basing like, his act on what I would say. So whenever, because I was always going up first, I was the host. So Eric would be like, all right, Ahmed used uh, three F-bombs. <laughs> yeah. He said, you know. So I would yeah. do four. He, he <laughs> just to push the envelope just a little. <laughs> well, that, that's what I do really enjoy about this film is that it does kind of, it, it's not just a, a matter of kind of testing the wires, but it is, it is really about how culture influences comedy and vice versa and, and the interplay there. And so I think that, that was one of the, the most fascinating things, watching the comics on stage kind of adapt their, their material in the moment, uh, re- according to audience re- re- reaction or promoter's reactions or whatever. Um, how did it feel to be a part of that movement? I mean, they were the first American shows, sure, but that's still a first. I mean, how did it feel for you as a, I guess for all of you as artists, to be a part of that movement, especially now we've seen what's happened culturally uh, months later? It was a thrill, really, because I think, you know, I've been a comedian about 17 years. And uh, in the States, uh, people coming to a comedy club, I would say, overwhelmingly have been to a club before, have seen it on television, have been to live shows. So there's a a savvy or even a jadedness to, uh, I've done this before. There, the crowds were so excited and... um, yeah, enthusiastic. It was an event. So in a way, that was overwhelming for me to realize, you know, to kind of, uh, in a way, remember, like, why you do it. Like, these people are so appreciative. And yeah, you know, it, it removed a little bit of that jadedness or the familiarity, the sameness of it. I agree with Ted. Uh, it's like a rock concert. You saw when Ahmed came out, and all of a sudden, it was like, they go crazy. And... Uh, a lot of the comedy they see is like on YouTube and stuff. And when you actually talk about stuff they can uh, relate to, it makes more of a connection. And uh, for myself, being of Greek heritage, not that far removed from the Middle East, uh, I found a lot of my stuff resonated through with the audience as well. But <clears throat> they just, uh, they just, it was like they were so happy to have it. You know, it's something, it made them feel part of something uh, bigger than it is. Especially in a place like Saudi Arabia, where they, you know, the guys and girls can't even really be in public together like that. So when they get to come to a show like that, they are so excited to have, you know, just to be out being entertained. Cause it's well, not it's a, a way, yeah, thing. it's an excuse to socialize, basically. So you'll see, you'll see the guys and the girls actually mingling, whereas you, it's forbidden, you know, in, in Saudi. So, um, yeah, and, and I, think, I think there's a, a lot more room for comedy to happen in that part of the world, especially with film festival, uh, comedy festivals happening there and <clears throat> you know, bigger comedians being asked to go over there and perform and stuff. There's a bright future in comedy. And um, I, I, I will get to questions in just a moment. And I mean, I know comedy is probably the last thing on a lot of uh, those nations, those people's minds right now, uh, considering everything that's going on over there. But that said, what is the impact of the revolutions we're seeing well we were just there and then the revolution started so (laughs) i feel like our comedy started the revolution (laughs) i mean i'm watching cnn and places we were hanging out yeah we were just in syria Syria. we were just in syria and bahrain (laughs) 
and I'm watching Anna CNN. And I said, we were just there, like on that street in yeah. that place. Yeah, we, Even the shawarma. I mean, I was right there. <laughs> yeah, we were in Syria. Uh, you're walking around. And I thought Syria was beautiful. I thought it was a beautiful country. It was yeah, a beautiful is. city, right? And yeah, it was like really the cool. food was great. And like the cities were like, very European looking. And next thing you know, yeah, we see like there's tanks rolling down the street. And we, we were just there. So, I, and, I, and I think even when times are hard, comedy's still very important because people need relief. I mean, even during like the recession here, I've, I've been to clubs where a guy walked up to me and said, you know, I lost my job three weeks ago. Thank you for having this show. So even when times are hard, people still need that kind of relief. So I think that that you know, inspire it inspires people. Comics work more when there's a, when there's a recession yeah. or economic. Yeah. Uh, it's true. Yeah, yeah we yeah. sure do. And I think like um, after all, of, you know, all of this has taken place recently in the Middle East. Uh, like it, it was surprising to me because like while we were there, I found myself saying like, oh, I guess you know, even though they don't have the same degree of freedom that we do here. Maybe that's just the way it is, and they're happy with it, and it, it's just my American brain imposing like what I think freedom is. But then all this started happening, and I was like, oh, okay, maybe, you know, maybe in fact the people were maybe waiting. We, maybe we're doing something right over here. Maybe that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> possible. You know, um, does anyone out there have any questions at all? Uh, yes, right here. We're going to bring you a microphone. Just sit tight one second. We'll bring you a mic. Just raise your hand. Anyone? Right here. Hi, Ahmed. I noticed that you were, I think you were an Iron Man. Uh, what was your experience like when you were in the first Iron Man movie? Oh, uh, you did your research. Yeah, I love that movie. I played terrorist number four. Oh, okay. Yeah. I wasn't good enough to play number one, two, or three. Uh, and his name was Ahmed in that, too. And my name is Ahmed. I played Ahmed, played by Ahmed Ahmed. Uh, what was my experience like on that? It was, it was like, you know, for... Despite the, the stereotype character that I played, um, just being in a big budget action movie, big comic book character, big, Jr., I got to meet Robert Downey Jr. He was really nice, and, and we worked together, you know, on a little bit of a scene. But um, it was a cool experience. You know, look, we we come to we we moved to Los Angeles to pursue our dream as comics, but also it's fun when you get an, an acting gig. That's like a layup. I mean, I got, I didn't really audition for the part. I just was asked to be in the movie. So, um, and even though I didn't do much in it, it was just a great experience. Big, you know, it was a very big experience and uh, it was fun. That was, that was a fun experience. All right, thanks. thanks. Well, so we got one over back here. Stand by. You're making by. this guy work. <laughs> Hi, um, as you, uh, the people who had never been to the Middle East before, as you entered into each different country, um, what were your experiences with, um, like, stuff that you thought was like, oh, I'm going to kill in this country because I had a conversation with this guy before the gig started, and then you walked out on stage and it totally didn't work because of the political climate in that particular country. I'm sorry, that's a very long-winded way to say, in which country did you bomb? <laughs> well, I wow, think that's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, don't ask me because I don't bomb. But anyway, uh, I'll take this one. Ted, you want to? <laughs> I'll let you. Uh... Um, I don't think any of us really bombed yeah, like bombs. the way we bomb here. Uh, no. But I think uh, there, uh, there was one night where I did a joke about Jesus abs, and I could feel kind of the air go out of the room a little bit, like where uh, just like re they don't like you to talk about religion. 
uh, I just I do a joke about Jesus having great abs and uh, you know abs of a savior and cross training and stuff like this and uh, and while some people were laughing I also did feel you know you can kind of feel a room and I could feel uh, some resistance so yeah there were moments like that where culturally I felt like maybe I, I overstepped bounds a little bit but also there's the, there nobody really bombs but so, you know oftentimes you'll get like some oohs and ahs right right ooh oh you know and also, too, sometimes something works here at a certain point, and it works differently there at a different point. You go, oh, I don't normally, it doesn't normally get laughs at that point, you know, that kind of yeah, thing. Before the punchline, they were laughing at the setup. Yeah, yeah. Which happened to me a lot because I don't want to, my stuff's like brilliant, and uh, <laughs> it's a comedy thing, right? We can laugh a bit here. All the comics get serious. What are you talking about? No, I, I think um, they're, they were very accepting of the whole thing. And um, the only time Eric bombed is when he tried to pick up a check. So, <laughs> very true. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that but up you know, in a public you know, forum. I will say this though, because uh, we, I became friends with Ted and with Eric doing the tour, and <clears throat> through the filming and hanging out in all these places, not only did I get to see the world, I got the comics were kind of lone wolves sometimes. We don't get to hang out together, and it's hard to hang out with a lot of comics because they're disturbed. These guys were awesome. Like, I had so much fun, and we're friends. Like, if I come to New York, mm -hmm. I go see Ted for a beer, or Eric, we have lunch, and I'm Ed. So a lot of great friendships happened uh, out of this film and just going to the Middle East. So it really built a lot of camaraderie. I, I, I made a lot of great friends. I'm really thankful for that. Next question over near far right. Um, did you find uh, that you had any frustrations with the censorship put on due to the cultural differences in which, um, like, not being able to talk about religion it stems a lot of what is culturally different for in America versus the Middle East, not being able to really broach those subjects? Yes, I don't like it. I want to be able to say whatever I want, but, you know, when you're over there, you have to do... Just like if you were doing a church gig or a, or a corporate event, you would have to be censored even here... But that so that always bothers me when you have to when you can't say what you want to say regardless of whatever country you're in. But Beirut, Lebanon was the only exception to the rule. Beirut, you can say whatever you want. Yeah. Like they want you to talk about religion and politics and whatever. So you know what? Just just being there was kind of pushing the envelope. You know, just being there on stage, being present, was was edgy enough. So you know, we we want to spoon feed people <laughs> over there what we're doing. And if we come in too big and bold, and it is, it is sort of like imposing. Um, but we're testing the waters. You know, I, I, I got banned for a year, and I knew what not to do next time. And then going to different countries. You know, last uh, November, we, uh, Angelo and Eric joined me on a nine-country tour, um, uh, you know, and including the ones you, that are in our film. But we went to several other countries, and... Um, you know, it was the first time we went to Syria to do comedy. Last year, I, was, I did a comedy show in Yemen, of all places. Then look what happened in Yemen. We were asked to do shows in Tunisia uh, by the U.S. Embassy. And, like, literally weeks before, they overthrew their government. So they, they really want to bring this art form there, but there are still influences and, cons and conservatives that don't want it, you know intruded on them that that rapidly they want to sort of take it in baby steps yeah ease into it and I, yeah and i think like 
in this situation, I was more uh, comfortable with those constraints than I would be here, like, because there felt like a bigger sense of purpose there. There was a real, almost like a mission, like, all right, we're bringing comedy, live American-style stand-up comedy to the masses over there. So uh, I was, you know, fine with, okay, if I can't talk about this or that, uh, you know, it, there, it felt like a bigger sense of purpose to open, you know, to open the gates to comedy there. And keep in mind, in Saudi Arabia, a lot of times we were going to the gig, we didn't know if they were going to shut it down. The promoter said uh, he got a phone call from the venue saying, you guys can't play the show at 5 o'clock, and by 7 o'clock they had fixed it up, and by 8 we were scared they may shut it down. So I mean, it, it was, it, you had that intensity... We were there doing the shows, and there's a possibility there may not be a show, or somebody may get arrested. It loomed. Not that, always, but it was there. That's the thing. When they say shut down a show, what do they mean by shut it down? It's not just pulling the plug. I mean, are, are there like legal implications? Are there some people you know, criminal yeah, I mean, implications? You, you know, you you could be subject to arrest. You know, if <clears throat> if if the the Mutawa, which is the religious police, they have the authority almost superior to the government to, to come in and shut something down um, because their whole country is based on the Islamic law. So um, if they walked into a venue where there's 2,000 Saudi kids and there's you know, a Saudi girl holding hands with a Saudi boy, she, you know, she might get arrested. You know, or if she gets caught driving to the gig, there's this girl in Saudi who, uh, who was driving got caught driving and she spent nine days in, in a de detainee room or jail or some sort and um, they finally released her but now she's, she's starting a protest I think to, on the 17th to, to change that law. We actually touch on that in our film. We talk about how in Saudi <clears throat> it's a paradox because you, women aren't allowed to drive but you get a driver. <laughs> so, um, so stuff like that you know, uh, can happen and, uh, and but Thankfully, they, they haven't, because I think a lot of these religious police who, and who I've heard have popped their head in to see what's going on, just see an innocent event happening. Guys and girls sitting side by side laughing at clean, G-rated humor, for the most part. And there's something really innocent about that. And certain shows of ours, like in Kuwait and stuff, uh, they couldn't advertise, right? It was all... Yeah, Kuwait, well, Saudi too. Saudi and Kuwait, they're both dry countries, so they don't, there's no alcohol to be found anywhere unless it's bootlegged. And uh, <clears throat> there are no nightclubs or any sort of entertainment. So, uh, so public entertainment is not only forbidden, but you can't advertise it. So all the shows were like, you know, you, you would create the Facebook events page, one for the guys, one for the girls. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then the day of the show, you get this, you know, you, you call this number and it's like a rave. And they would be like, okay, drive down the dirt road. Make a left to the bush, <laughs> you know. You'll see a donkey, you know. <laughs> and then you pull up, and there's like 2,000 kids at this on this American compound in the middle of the desert. So, um, yeah, Kuwait was the same way. There wasn't. You, you can't open up the paper or watch a commercial on TV. It was, it was all word of mouth. And you know, and still got thousands still, of people yeah. to show I mean, up. We 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 promoted strictly Facebook, through Facebook, man. and we had 2,000 kids show up at every show. And the tickets, you know. The, 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 the pricing of the tickets is interesting because in, say, Egypt, for instance, uh, an expensive ticket might be, you know, f uh, 
like a, like a very expensive ticket might be like 40 American, $40 US. Whereas if you go to Saudi, the average ticket's $100 US. So yeah. you just see all this money in the, in, the, in the audience and it's like, all right, well, get in the car. <laughs> and we have time for two more questions. First one right here in front of you. I'm just wondering if you uh, tapped any of uh, the guys from the Vince Vaughn Wild West Comedy Show to assist you as you were, you know, coming up with the ideas and then actually filming and then post-production. Was there, was there any involvement with um, those guys? I, I picked their brain here and there. Like, I'd say, hey, how'd you guys, you know, when you guys were cutting your film, what did you, you know, what format did you use or what sort of editing process did you have or, you know, what was your distribution model you know, it's it's interesting and, and kind of full circle that um, our our PR firm was the uh, distribution company at the time, or some of the people that did Wild West. <laughs> so it, it was a weird sort of full circle um, collaboration. But um, Sebastian, who was in the mo movie, was in our film, and so yeah, I picked their brain uh, here and there and tried to get just advice and how to stick true to your story and stick true to your vision and not let too many influences come in and change your picture because oftentimes people come in and say, oh, you should make your movie this way and, 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 you, and you do that and then it's not the movie you wanted. So they gave me some really, really uh, valuable advice. Last question right here in the center. Uh, how you doing, guys? First of all, thank you all for, for coming out here. Thanks. And uh, I see uh, four fellas up here, but what would be the, uh, you kind of touched on in, in the, the previews, but what are the implications of a, of a female rolling with you all on a tour of the Middle East? A female comedian. Well, um, funny you should ask. <laughs> there's, sort of an, there's an inside joke there. Um, did, did, were you here for the trailer? Or? Okay, so you remember in the trailer I say, First time female comic in the Middle East performing. That was Whitney Cummings, who did, in fact, come to Dubai and Lebanon with us. And she went over really great. They loved her. And um, she's been asked to go back. And she's doing great here in America. She got her own TV show on NBC called Whitney. And um, she added a lot of value to our, our tour and our movie because she was the first single white female American comedian to perform in, in uh, countries that had never seen a woman live. It's so, still going to take some time to, you know, talking about Saudi Arabia, women can't even drive. So it's going to take some time. At least let them, get a, let them get a license and then we'll get them on stage, you know. <laughs> so it's a progression, you know. Um, so just one more quick thing. Now, you are officially a filmmaker now. I mean, you're in addition to comedian. So, I mean, you're going knock to... Wood. Knock wood. First uh, What's, your, what's next? Do you want to make more movies? Yeah, well, we, um, we started this, this company called Cross-Cultural Entertainment uh, and Cross-Cultural Productions, and our whole thing is to try to continue to do you know, movies that have this like, relevant message. Um, so right now we're focusing on the distribution of, of this film. It, um, it's going into theaters this Friday. If you guys check it out, it's at the Landmark, Sunshine Landmark theater and uh if you like it tell a friend because we have some more content that we've filmed we we technically shot a, a sequel i think i was saying we went to jordan syria palestine and oman and qatar so probably in the fall we'll start looking at that footage and um and then go through another six month process of editing we hope or, or maybe less we, this was a great experience so when we 
going to post production on the sequel, we'll know what what to do, what not to do. Um, and so that now that's pretty much the focus. I mean, uh, I don't know what these guys have you know going on next, but I think the rest of my year is going to be kind of dedicated to this project and uh, the sequel, hopefully. Gentlemen, thank you very much. The movie opens on Friday, just like us, again at the Landmark Sunshine. Thank you all for coming. Thank you. Have a wonderful Thanks. evening. Thank, thank you, you again. Steve. Yes. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thanks, Stu.